Welcome to the Vanguard Church Podcast. You're about to hear a sermon from Vanguard Church Central in the heart of Colorado Springs. With every message, it's our prayer that you hear and learn how to live out your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. May your faith be strengthened, your hope increased, and your heart inspired to live for Jesus no matter the cost. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. If you'll turn with me in your programs, in your Bibles, to the book of Ezekiel. We're going to pick up in Ezekiel 43, 12 today. And for those of you that are watching online this morning, I want to say thank you and welcome. I know you didn't get to hear all the sound in the part that was preceding this message, but thank you for hanging in there with us. We are glad you're a part of this message this morning. You know, God wants to start speaking into our lives this morning a word. And that word is this. Are you ready? The word is sanctuary. Now, when I say the word sanctuary, what do you think of? Safe, rest, restful, peaceful, calm. Any builder that builds a website in order to advertise his business, if he puts the word sanctuary homes, like women are just clicking on it like that, right moms? We want lives of sanctuary. We want lives of peace and rest. And certainly that is the world's definition of sanctuary. It's a place, but God's vision of sanctuary is even more powerful than that. God's vision of sanctuary is purpose filled with his presence. That's what takes what's common and ordinary and makes it spectacular. So if you will, I want to show you this from God's word today, and we're going to fly through some scripture. I told Kelly that he gave me the absolute hardest Mother's Day message in the history of the world to write. Mother's Day message from Ezekiel 43 through 46. I'm pretty sure I'd lay money on it. I'm the only one who's written a message from this passage. Thank you, Kelly. So here we are. We're going to dive in this morning, and we're going to go really fast. But we're going to start with Ezekiel 37, where God makes a promise. He says, I will put my sanctuary among them. My dwelling place will be with them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Then the nations will know that I, the Lord, make Israel holy when my sanctuary is among them forever, forever, forever. There's something we're going to talk about today that is about more than about a space, a place. There is something eternal that God wants to say to us today. So we're going to go to Ezekiel 43. This is the law of the temple. All the surrounding area on top of the mountain will be most holy. Such is the law of the temple. Then we're going to skip ahead to verse 25. For seven days, you're to provide a male goat daily for a sin offering. For seven days, they are to make atonement for the altar and cleanse it. Thus, they will dedicate it. At the end of these days, from the eighth day on, the priests are to present your burnt offerings and fellowship offerings on the altar. Then I will accept you, says the sovereign Lord. And we say, what? What are you talking about, God? What do you have to say to us about that temple that applies to our lives? I want to take you to 2 Timothy 2. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver 
and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteousness living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. So here's the question that we're going to answer today. How do we live God's vision for sanctuary in our lives, our homes, and our church There's application here on so many levels. And I don't know what it is that God wants to say specifically to you today, but there's so many layers, so many layers in this passage. And here's here's the thing that we need to remember first. If we want to have God's vision for sanctuary, and it's this, purify and set apart your life to be used by God. Purify and set apart your life to be used by God. Do you want to be used as God's sanctuary? Not just a place, but do you want to be a life that's filled with his purpose, his presence? Then here's the first thing you need to do. Set it apart. God, this place, this space, this life, this home, this family, this church... We are a sanctuary. I like to think that my home is a sanctuary, but we've had craziness the last few days, like extraordinary craziness. Our sweet little creek turned into Niagara Falls, and now that the water has washed away, it looks like bombs have gone off. I hiked out this morning. I'm pretty sure I have mud all over my shoes. And in the midst of that, My heart has been filled with resentment and anger and frustration and doubt and hopelessness. And I'm saying, God, this is your sanctuary, but it doesn't feel that way right now. And God said, if you want my my sanctuary, if you want my presence, then you need to purify your heart. You need to set it apart and you need to allow me to clean your space and your place of you, of you. Because what I'm doing in you, Tasha, is way more important than what I'm doing on that bridge. And I've had to sit long and hard the last 72 hours and fight through that with God. And I'm pretty sure that's true for all of us. It may not be bombs going off in your driveway But I know that there's bombs going off in people's lives here this morning. Mamas, I know that every single one of you have a story. Dads, singles, young adults, teenagers. God says, if you want my sanctuary in your life, then repent. Cleanse the impurities of your heart. Take ownership of the sin in your soul and and be remorseful from it and confess it to me and then set apart that space and that place for me. He says, that's where my presence dwells and that's where I'm going to begin to do my work. The passage continues. 
we're going to step into Ezekiel 44. Remember, the world's view of sanctuary is a peaceful place. And if the world's view of sanctuary is a peaceful place, my life has been anything of sanctuary this past week. And yet God's view of sanctuary is a place where there's action, a place where there's purpose, a place where there's responsibility, a place where there's holy trust. Listen to what he says in Ezekiel 44. Then the man brought me back to the outer gate of the sanctuary, the one facing east, and it was shut. Then the man brought me by the way of the north gate to the front of the temple. I looked and I saw the glory of the Lord filling the temple of the Lord, and I fell face down. The Lord said to me, son of man, look carefully, listen closely and give attention to everything I tell you concerning all the regulations and instructions regarding the temple of the Lord. Give attention to the entrance to the temple, to the exits of the sanctuary. As I was rereading this verse this morning, I was thinking about this map that I was working on for about three hours this week. This is the map of VBB that literally I plotted out the entrance and the exit of every place in Vanguard Church in order that we can take care of this holy trust that God has given us, the next generation. Mamas, you have entrances, you have exits into your family. Dads, this is your holy trust. This is your God-given responsibility. But listen to what God said to rebellious Israel. This is what the sovereign Lord says, enough of your detestable practices. Instead of carrying out your duty in regard to my holy things, you put others in charge of my sanctuary. These people who were supposed to be in charge of this holy trust of God's people, they said, eh, not my problem, not my job. I'm going to go do this instead. And God said, that's detestable. God said, enough of that. He's, but then he continued, verse 15, but the Levitical priest, who are the descendants of Zadok, who guarded my sanctuary when the Israelites went astray from me, they alone are to enter my sanctuary. They alone are to come near my table and minister before me. They are to teach my people the difference between the holy and the common, to show them how to distinguish between the clean and the unclean. God's sanctuary is a vibrant, vital, life-giving place in Vanguard Church. That's who he wants us to be as a ministry. Moms and dads, that's who he wants us to be as spiritual leaders. And I ain't just talking about the ones that have little children at home. I'm talking about every single one of us. The sanctuary in Ezekiel's day was a demolished pile of rubble. And God was giving him a vision for something greater. But the amazing thing is that it's this bridge into the New Testament. Because what, look what God has to say about that sanctuary, that temple in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 6.19 Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself and guardians. God bought you with a price. You must honor God with your body. First Corinthians 3 16. Don't you realize Vanguard? Don't you realize mothers, fathers, every one of you, that all of you together are the temple 
of God and the spirit of God dwells in you. Second Corinthians 6, 16, we, we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. So how do we live a God-sized vision for sanctuary in our lives, in our families, in our homes, in our church? Here's point number two. Recognize who you are and what's entrusted to you. You are the temple. You are the sanctuary of the living God. You're not just a normal person. Whatever your occupation, whatever your space, your place, you are God's sanctuary. And he has entrusted you with somebody or with somebody's. And he wants to work through you if you'll allow him to. We have a holy trust. Vanguard Church. We get to do Vacation Bible Blast here in less than a month. Lord help us. woo But we have so much more than that. These children, these babies, these teenagers, these young adults, we get to invest in them, every single one of us. You may be one of those young adults in here. There is somebody that God has entrusted or wants to entrust to you if you are his Let's live it. Let's claim it. Let's be his sanctuary. The passage continues, and we're going to skip to verse 28. God says, I am to be the only inheritance the priest had. You are to give them no possession in Israel. I will be their possession. They will eat the grain offerings, the sin offerings, the guilt offerings. The best of all the fruits and of all your special gifts will belong to the priest. And here's the one that I want to call out to you. You are to give them the first portion of your ground meal so that a blessing may rest upon your household. And again, this is where we as New Testament believers, we say, what? What does that mean? Back in the Old Testament, there was a special class or distinction of people who were called into ministry. But we're not in Old Testament times. We're in New Testament times. And if you've given your life to Christ, you are what? You're the temple. You're the sanctuary. You are one of the ministers. But the takeaway that we have is that we tithe, that we give. And God says, as you give, I'm going to give back to you. Look at 2 Corinthians 9. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. I'm going to skip ahead. He will produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, when you give, when you're generous, you will be enriched in every way so you can always be generous. Vanguard, I want you to think in terms of generosity in multiple ways. Yes, finances, finances. But there's also the generosity of time. There's the generosity of effort. There's the generosity of intercession and praying. There's the the generosity of, of things. And there's so many ways of generosity. Are you a generous person? If you want a God-sized vision for living a life of sanctuary, a life that's not just a sit and soak, 
to relax and refresh the world's idea of sanctuary. If you want to live a life of sanctuary that's according to God's design, his terms, a life of purpose filled with his presence, then here's point number three. Live a generous life of blessing. Live a generous life of blessing. In the sanctuary of your life, how are you being generous? How are you pouring into somebody's life? And here's the thing. All of us can be generous in one way, two ways, or another. Every single one of us has a way that in Jesus' name, we're generous. How are you living that sort of life of sanctuary? And here's the thing. As we're generous, God promises to be generous to us. As we bless, he promises to bless us. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing promise that we can hold on to in sanctuary. Now we're going to fast forward again. And this time we're going to come to the middle of Ezekiel 45. And God said in the first month of the 14th day, you are to observe the Passover, a festival lasting seven days. And he describes that. Verse 25, during the seven days of the festival, which begins on the seventh month, on the 15th day, the high priest is to make the same provision for sin offerings, burnt offerings, grain offerings, and oil. And again, what? How does that apply to us? What does that have to do with us here? God wanted his people to intentionally celebrate their God stories. He wanted them to stop in the midst of whatever it was they were doing. And he wanted them to mark the moment and say, this is what God has done. Now, here's the reality when he spoke that to Ezekiel. How are they supposed to celebrate when they were in the midst of bondage? How were they to praise God about Passover deliverance out of Egypt when back at home, 900 miles away, their temple lay in ruins? They were a devastated country. And God said, I want you to get up and I want you to celebrate. And I don't want you to just spend an hour or a meal or a day on it. I want you to celebrate for a week. And then a few months later, I want you to celebrate again. Wow. That's pretty amazing that God invites us into joy in the midst of our brokenness. Talk about beauty in the midst of ashes like the women's event this coming Friday night. I love this passage from Psalm 78. And and friends, we don't have time to go through all these verses in their entirety today. But I invite you to go back and allow the Spirit of God to speak to you through these verses as you do your devotions later this week. But Psalm 78 says this, I will teach you hidden lessons from your past. Stories we've heard, we've known. Stories that our ancestors passed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and about his mighty wonders. We're gonna keep telling the next generation He commanded our ancestors to teach these things to their children so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they, in turn, will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. I lead a ministry called Family Disciple Me. And the reason that I started that, the reason that we pour into that, is so that the next generation will know 
How do we live a God-sized vision for our lives, our families, our homes, and for this church? Here's point number four. Celebrate your God stories with the next generation. Celebrate your God stories. You know, the next generation sometimes is just the people God sends your way. So in the midst of the devastation of the past few days, I had guests at my house. Wow, I guess God wanted me to get to know two separate families. And one of them in particular, I said, I texted and I said, hey, if you want to see an act of God, come on down to the bridge. So he walked down there with his family and he said, whoa, because when he got down there, for some reason, the Department of Transportation was there with heavy equipment lifting like 30 feet that way, 40 feet this way, 20 feet up that way of debris and taking it and putting it on the other side of the bridge. He said, who did you call? And I said, I didn't call anybody. I prayed. He looked at me. And a few, months, a few minutes later, he said, now, who did you call? And I said, I didn't call. I prayed. Fast forward a couple days later, he sends me a message and he said, we're home. Thank you for your prayers. And I got to speak into the life of a family that I don't know if they know Jesus. The next generation may just be the next generation of faith. It's not necessarily a preschooler. It may be an elementary kid. It may be a high schooler, a young adult. It may be somebody older than you that doesn't know Jesus yet. But here's the truth. God loves us. He made a way for us to have a relationship with us. He wants us to know him. He wants us to come follow him. And we get that privilege when we tell the next generation our God stories. Are you brave? Are you bold? Are you willing to speak it? Are you going to let him be a person, a, a God, the God who dwells in the sanctuary of your life? Or are you going to let the enemy shut you down? I can tell you this, the enemy wanted to shut me down the past few days. It's been hard. But we will not let him win. We will not let him quiet us. Vanguard Church, family disciple me, moms and dads, young adults, teenagers. We are sanctuaries of the living God. And he wants to speak to us and he wants to speak through us. So we will tell. We will tell our God stories. There's so much more to Ezekiel. There's so much more that we could talk about here. When I gave Kelly my outline for this passage, there were like 15 points. <laughs> and he said, here, how about taking these five? <laughs> so let's end here. Ezekiel 46. This is what the sovereign Lord says. If the prince makes a gift from his inheritance to one of his sons, it will also belong to his descendants. It is to be their property by inheritance. Verse 17, his inheritance belongs to his sons only. It is theirs. The prince must not take any of the inheritance of the people. He is to give his sons their inheritance out of his own property. What? God expected his leaders, his people, to bless the next generation. He expected them to leave something to them. Here's the problem. Remember, we're in the time of Ezekiel. And remember Israel? It was back there destroyed. There wasn't anything left except land. 
Everything was in rubble. There was no money. There was no wealth. Whatever they had, it was gone. And God said, I want the prince to leave an inheritance. I want my people to leave an inheritance. What? God, don't you realize the reality of our lives? I can imagine Ezekiel thinking through that. But let's fast forward to the New Testament. Actually, before we go to the New Testament, I want to read this verse that was written centuries before Ezekiel. Solomon wrote, good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren. And not to overwhelm Solomon's wisdom, but here's what I believe the Bible teaches in the New Testament. Great people leave an inheritance to their children and to other people's children. You want me to show you why I know that's true? 2 Timothy 1, 5 through 6. Paul writes to Timothy, I remember your genuine faith for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into the flames the spiritual gift that God gave you through me when I laid my hands on you. So Vanguard, People, moms and dads, every person listening here in this room, listening online, listening later through podcasts. How do we live a God-sized vision for our lives, our families, our homes, our church? Here's point number five. Build a legacy that blesses future generations. See, here's the thing about Ezekiel. His dad was named Buzi. And most Bible scholars believe that Buzi, as a part of the priestly line, was one of the descendants of Zadok. And if you remember back earlier in the passage that I read, who was the priestly line that God gave his a stamp of approval to? Zadok's line. So here Ezekiel is, he's in captivity. His family has lost everything financially, everything materialistically, except He has a spiritual inheritance. He has a spiritual legacy that was passed on to him by the generations prior to him. And he's writing this. There's to be an inheritance left. And then we come into the New Testament and Paul says to Timothy, I see the spiritual inheritance that you have by your mama and your grandmama. And I had the privilege to build on that. Moms, wherever you are in the journey, I get it. It's hard. There are amazing days filled with so much joy and happiness. And then there are days that your soul is wrenched and you're flat on your face crying out before God. And in the midst of all that, you have a choice about whether you're going to be God's sanctuary, living the greatest go on earth, investing in the next generation or whether you're just going to make it about a pretty home that strives to be peaceful in the midst of the craziness. Dads, believers, every person in this room, the truth of Timothy is that Paul was able to build upon what his mama and his grandmother placed inside of him. And Paul picked it up, and then he laid hands on him. That's what family disciple me is all about. That's what Vacation Bible Blast is about. You say, I don't have any kids. Great. 
all the more bandwidth. There are children here who need you to lay your hands on them and love them in Jesus' name. Take them around to the stations. Help them understand the truth of the gospel. Help them learn the crazy songs and motions so that they can internalize God's truth. That's how we build a legacy that impacts future generations. Yeah. We're calling this Vacation Bible Blast this year, the greatest go on earth. And the more that I study scripture, the more I spend time in God's word, I absolutely believe that he made us sanctuaries that are to be sanctuaries that go. That's the epic of the Bible. It started out with a tabernacle in the wilderness that was like a tent that could be folded up, put in bags, and carried to the next place. And then it became a temple that was stationary, built on a foundation. And that was destroyed by Babylon. Rebuilt, but still sort of in shambles. It's not what it was. But that's okay because God's ultimate plan is that we are his sanctuary. And do you know why I know that the greatest go on earth is true? That we're not just to be sanctuaries that sit and soak and make it all about us? Here's the reason. Because we're sanctuaries that have feet. We're sanctuaries that have feet. We're sanctuaries that have hands. We're sanctuaries that can move. And God says, this is the greatest go on earth. I pray that we'll live as God's sanctuary. I pray that each of you will receive this word and you will listen to the spirit of God inside of you and that you will be the place where his purpose and his presence dwells, moves, and works. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Vanguard Central Podcast. We encourage you to go out and live your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. God bless you, friend. See you next time.